Michelle. So thanks for taking out time uh, to speak with us. Um, uh, just to um, kind of start start the whole conversation, I would like to like kind of give a brief introduction of on on what we do and uh, uh, why we are doing this. So uh, we are a uh, so what we do is we help uh, e-commerce merchants like who are running uh, their own branded D2C stores uh, improve their profit margins. Uh, we do this by automating a lot of uh, profitable growth strategies. Um, what we've realized that there are seven principles uh, around which uh, an online business needs to optimize so as to become uh, profitable uh, and run a profitable operation. Uh, more so, we, we hear from a lot of folks that uh, most of them don't make any money online. So, so, so we uh, we take our mission even more seriously, and uh, we uh, we try our best to help our merchants in any way possible. Now, since we've got like a huge community of thousands of these merchants using our platform, and we are now in over eighty countries, so uh, we thought it was a good time to um, find folks who have been doing uh, and working with e-commerce for some time, and uh, bring them to our audience and make them share their insights, right? Um, so just to begin, um, if you could introduce yourself and share what you've been doing uh, recently and in the past, which would be- Sure, okay. So thanks for having me this morning, Jatin. And uh, as you know, I'm from uh, SoftBank Telecom Singapore, and we are a subsidiary of uh, SoftBank Group, uh, headquartered in Japan. So um, I started my e-commerce uh, journey uh, roughly eight years ago when things were not as uh, sophisticated and savvy as I would say now. So I started really uh, small on my own um, and we, we, we were like a middleman and then we brought in goods from one country and then we placed it on the platform and then we started selling on e-commerce uh, platforms like the Q10 and uh, Lazada. Yep. And then eight years onwards, so now I'm like a full-fledged uh, marketer, doing a lot more different things. Awesome. Mm. So, so you, so you shared that you you started uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, like uh, essentially uh, selling on marketplaces. Yeah. So uh, let's jog jog back memory lane and try and understand. Like, so uh, at that time, would you say that you? you were able to figure out how to sell on these marketplaces and what was your experience like? Oh no, Jatin, I was so lost and um, it was very scary actually. So I I'm, I may have my goods stuck at the dock and then I, I didn't know like the transport license that I, I actually need to have like a different kinds of a freight license to have the goods imported in. And then there were so many bumps along the way, but it was something that um, I was very passionate in doing. And then I um, I joined different like uh, communities and also like uh, online classes um, to get to where I am. So stumble and fumble and never give up. Awesome, awesome. So just uh, so this is a question that a lot of folks actually ask us who are starting off um, in e-commerce. How do you get those first sales, right? Like, mm. so um, rather than like kind of having a generic prescription, like uh, do X, do Y, um, 
how did you get your first five sales? Well, one of the things that I did very differently was to price my products uh, way more expensive than um, what my competitors would do. So I did my product research and I understood that um, there were a certain um, target audience which I wanted to uh, resonate with. And of course, I found um, my unique selling point uh, even before I launched the brand. So before we even had our products uh, on the platforms, we were, we were doing a lot of uh, marketing hype, just talking about uh, what we represent, um, what we want, what kind of benefits we want to bring, and what is the community that we would like to have. So when um, even before the first product was out, uh, we already had some following. So it it wasn't really difficult to get the first few uh, sales country to what many people believe like, oh, you have to ask uh, your relative, ask your friends. So we really went into the market and the market was able to accept um, what we were presenting because end of the day we were selling a uh, household products okay cool yeah. so so actually uh, it's, it's it's an interesting point that you bring up so you say that you priced your products higher than your competitors so number one you did a lot of competitive research yes so yeah so and that is something that uh, so what we um, talk about is one of the first and most uh, important principles because this was actually inspired so when we when we built a product um uh, we, uh, we happened to read this uh, research paper by mckenzie which talks about how improving your like the ability of a brand to increase their margin by one percent uh their sales price by one percent without like kind of losing out on sale numbers they can actually improve their profit margin by eight percent yeah and uh, the point that you're talking about is for that to know um that you have the ability to increase is you need to do a lot of competitor research, right? Like, and uh, actually, one of the features on a platform is to be able to uh, track competitor prices, track their inventory levels, do all this research, kind of create your own dashboard to understand how the market is looking like. Um, and I find like uh, some of our most active users actually, uh, what you're saying is they actually just do what you do. Um, they will be like at any given point in time like um, analyzing more than like 50 new products that they would like to target and see how they are trending before before even they launch the product so would you say that uh, being like trying to analyze your competitors was your uh, like one of the biggest uh, insights that you like kind of can share like this is what is super important or is it like it's just in your case in selling like household goods well i i believe um for any kind of business on retail or offline um understanding what your audience want is very important and uh, also the kind of demand so for example uh, what i always share with uh, a lot of um like-minded people I, I would never go into like a red sea kind of uh, industry when you know that there there is like a 100 other competitors who is selling the same things as you are and there's uh, like no unique proposition and then you very much leave your feet in the hands of the consumers as to um, maybe today they purchase with you 
because you um, you your prices are more competitive and this will never be sustainable. So what I always like to do is to um, go into the blue sea and find um, things that um, people would need, but without too much competition. Yeah. So just just to um, uh, kind of for to help our uh, audience understand, uh, what would you define as like? Could you help them easily like explain what a blue sea is? Um. Okay. So for example. When I started eight years ago, we were selling like um, household products, right? Mm -hmm. So, and during that time, um, most of the brands that we have in Singapore are all the major brands from like a P&G or even like a Palmolive, all, all those super big brands. If we wanted to have um, more unique brands from probably like uh, Korea or Japan, then we may not have access to uh, such products during those days. And what I did was to sell other people's uh, products first. And then when I had my own uh, groups of uh, fans following us, as we started to add new SKUs, I started to also uh, produce our own in-house brands. And that was where we could really see uh, uh, spiked in our transactions and our profits. So just to summarize, so essentially what you're saying is that uh, you would go fishing in uh, at that part of the sea where there are no, not a lot of boats there, essentially. So yeah, yeah. So one way to do that is to create your own products and like kind of create your own small niche, right? Yes, awesome. exactly. Awesome, mm. awesome. So just to take this a bit further right so um as you like so you you did your competitor analysis you you found your own niche um you found those products that were not being sold here and then you kind of sold them so and you said that you didn't need to reach out to relatives to make your first sales right yes. um, so there are many ways to be successful right but then uh, we surely know that there are some ways that you these are the mistakes that you will do and you will sure you're sure to fail so uh, like one of the ways that one of the things that you just spoke about to not get into price wars, right? Yeah. Uh, so can you list like three major uh, learnings that you've had that if you surely do these, you're going to fail? Um, let me think. One of the things that I realized is um, not investing enough to make good quality videos, right? Okay. Right. And um, and this is even more true uh, today because images are no longer um, sufficient for the consumers to be attached or uh, to be attached to your brand or to form a kind of a loyalty. Because in, in that picture alone, um, you're not able to share a lot of uh, emotions or or like uh, what who you represent compared to a video which has sound, emotions, people talking, subtle things that you can add in uh, for people to want to bond with your brand. So that's number one, videos. And number two is, like I, like I mentioned, um, pricing your products too low, right? 
just to get your first initial sales and uh, recommendations. I, I understand that um, most new players will want to do that. But uh, in the long run, this is not a very sustainable game. And it's pretty detrimental to the business, I would say. Yeah. And the third thing um, I think is not engaging um, social influencers uh, enough, right? For example, what, what I'm trying to imply is whenever you run a, a sales campaign, you only want to opt for conversion where people come to your shop and then they start spending. But this, this is not true because you have to let people know who you are what you represent and what is the mission or journey that you want to bring your customers along with you before uh, they can connect with you and to to want to uh, spend with your brand. So these are the three things I've learned. Cool. So essentially to summarize what you say is that uh, you need to invest more time and effort both in creating um, uh, good videos because okay. the age of uh, TikTok videos, so you you need to have good videos. Second is to not price your products too low, and third is that uh, brand should try to engage uh, influencers, social social media influencers. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. So just to kind of um, get so like, let's talk about videos, right? Like I mean, I think. Um, Everybody wants to, uh, like, I think nobody sets out to create bad videos, uh, but it's just that, uh, A, they are not, uh, they don't have that uh, uh, ability, or B, they they don't really kind of have the, like, the budget to invest in creating good videos, right? That they can compete with the big brands. So what is your, uh, um, do you really feel that, uh, so what is a good video essentially right like um, is it is it a video which is very authentic or is it uh, more around like which has got a lot of post production it's got like nice graphics nice sweet audio like uh, how, how like basically is it like a pixar kind of a video or is it like just like somebody in their room and like saying okay buy my product this is why it is good right so jatin one of the things that i've noticed like um like I mentioned, I started really small and now how I advertise for um, big, big, bigger budgets. And many times the raw footage works really well. So what I mean by good quality videos is um, the content that you put inside, like your 30 seconds uh, video. What, what exactly do you want to say? Are you trying to push your product? or are you trying to get attention or are you trying to do brand awareness? You have to be very clear in what your video is out to do and, and that um, your audience will be able to resonate with um, what you are trying to achieve. Cool. So, uh, I mean, just like, let me just kind of summarize. So essentially you're saying that the video uh, need not be like, like not a lot of effort may not be needed to like do post protection and like process the video. It's more around like it should be, uh, you should be knowing what you're targeting essentially. Right, right. Whether you're looking for attention, whether you're looking for brand awareness or whether you're looking for like a conversion, right? Uh, right. Like, like a sale. Awesome. 
So um, just to um, kind of go a bit further in this. So you, you've been doing this for now, like eight years, right? Um, uh, yes. How And uh, I think um, eight years ago, uh, was it 20, 20, I don't know, 2015, 2015, right? Yeah. 2015, um, uh, we were, so TikTok was not there. Um, not, uh, we didn't have, uh, like, now we've got, like, even, like, this, all this generative AI, which is, like, kind of making things a lot easier. Uh, we now have influencer uh, tracking platforms. We've got, uh, we've got a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, so you've seen this evolve, marketing, e-commerce marketing evolve. So how do you see it further evolving in the next three to five years? Um... I have been to a few um, updates uh, beginning of this year, and I see like uh, many brands, big or small, are going into sustainable and uh, ethical shopping. Mm -hmm. So um, consumers are becoming uh, more cautious of their uh, impact they have on their purchasing behavior, and um, sustain sustainable shopping is becoming uh, more important from the different stages from manufacturing, packaging, and how the brands is going to um, um, take initiative to reduce carbon footprints. So I think um, sustainability and um, ethical uh, sourcing uh, will be one of the things to uh, really look into and for brands to think how they want to um, align their business to this part. Okay, so cool. So, so I think this is something that we are also seeing a lot uh, across our user base. Uh, uh, we we see a lot of folks trying to make their brands more sustainable. Um, and in fact, even at Ponygal, also we even our entire software stack, we choose a cloud operator which says that they are more greener than others. Uh, so, so we we also try to do our bit, but I think now this is an interesting point. So, as a, as a small brand, um, so sustainability is also not just about like kind of like a doing proper sourcing. B also like kind of educating your each one can do more to educate their uh, customers. So, do you think that marketing around uh, sustainability will become like a very important thing? The narratives will change, the stories new sustainability stories will come up for brands in the next three to five years? I, I'm i not sure if um, small brands are going to adopt uh, this sustainability, um, but definitely the bigger brands uh, are deep diving in, into this. In fact, they have set up like a department uh, just to talk about sustainability. And it is very comforting to see our local uh, smaller players uh, trying to share on social media how they are contributing in their little bits too, right? They will tell you like, uh, oh, these are the raw materials to make up uh, product A. And then we have sourced this from um, different places. And they are very open about where they source their materials. So the audience can then decide if uh, they want to be part of your community. And another thing... Um, which we have uh, spoken the entire morning is um, about personalization. And I think the work that you are doing is uh, great and awesome because so many companies have 
so much data, but how how are they going to um, uh, make smart decisions or useful decisions uh, with all this data would then be very dependent on um, how companies are compartmentalizing and analyzing this data. And which is why I find that the work that you do in Conical is uh, very meaningful because it takes away a lot of the heavy lifting and business owners can now uh, focus on getting the right kind of products to their consumers rather than testing uh, 10 different SKUs in different colors. Now you can actually um, use um, um, models to tell them, look, this is uh, what the consumers want and you, you can just focus on uh, product A, B and C, which I think personalization is also uh, very important. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so essentially, uh, what we what we is what we kind of understand, like in the so big brands are going to go big on sustainability and uh, communicating that with their audience. So I think there's this there's a very important thing that you kind of pointed out was that sustainability as a cause to create a community around your brand um, because communities are created around causes, as we all know. Um, a cause could be x y or z and being able to sustainably um, do something in your industry um, is, is is one very important cause around which people can align and you can build that uh, like brand loyalty essentially so uh, one thing that you would like to kind of uh, like say if all the online sellers so we estimate that there are around like 25 million to 30 million online sellers somewhere in between. Um, if all of them are listening to you now, right? Uh, what What is that one thing you would like to tell them that would help them immensely with their uh, business? Mm. Never rush into the business and assume that um, you only need to spend two hours a day and then you will become a millionaire the next day. There is a no shortcut. <laughs> Rely on data, make smart marketing decisions with data. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I think this is this is something that we see all the time. So you 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 go to YouTube and then say that, oh, I spent like uh, 24 hours and I made like uh, half a million dollars. And the next thing you see is that they're walking out in a uh, Lamborghini. Uh, it's like, so, so uh, it's, yeah, I mean, there are no shortcuts to success. You're right. Um, uh, it's, uh, it took us at Conigal to work with online sellers for over two and a half years to come up with a final product, which was any useful uh, for them. So, yeah, it, it takes time. Um, uh, overnight successes usually are not what they people seem to be. Uh, cool. Uh, so we've, we've also talked about like uh, pricing uh, as, as a way that we should not like underprice or like we should not be the lowest price. So apart from that, what in your experience, um, like so because I would like to talk uh, about like so what we, so if you see the state of digital reports, um, uh, the top three factors influencing buyer decisions are uh, number one, free shipping. Second is uh, essentially discounts. And third is like bundling which all three, if you think about it, are driven by pricing. 
right? Uh, yes. Uh, so, um, in your uh, in your experience, uh, what is the relationship between pricing and marketing? And uh, because we also published recently, like uh, like a case study on IKEA, uh, where how they typically when they reduce prices, uh, they don't say that we are on sale. They say that we we try our best to reduce our prices and pass on the benefits to our customers. So they are actually building a lot of brand loyalty with their pricing. Uh, essentially, they are reducing prices, but they are building brand loyalty. So, in your opinion, how does pricing and marketing uh, work, and uh, what is like, like essentially, what are your insights around it? Your experience. So. Fundamentally, I usually have uh, three pillars to fall back on when it comes to uh, pricing a product or a service, which will be my uh, fixed cost, for example, my rental, my salary, and then there will be my variable cost, which is your cost of goods, uh, transportation, packaging, and then lastly will be the profit, uh, the profits that you want to have. So, um. As much as I say that I don't want to price things too low, because then that will affect our profitability, um, we also want to understand that um, we need to have a roadmap to success. So before we even start doing any uh, conversion campaigns, we, we always start with uh, storytelling or we always um, or we can always uh, be transparent and share with the customers uh, where we got our product, how it was made, and what is this uh, USP. And then from, from there, you will be able to create a very uh, successful marketing uh, campaign. And as you can see from all of this, we do not just talk about pricing, just like you mentioned about IKEA. Um, you, you will hardly ever hear them talk about pricing. It's more like a brand loyalty or a brand story. Cool, cool. So uh, just like uh, I would like to kind of get to this like slightly bit more deep into this, right? Like so um, basically every double digit day today is an e-commerce sale day, right? Right. Like <laughs> so, uh, so every month you essentially have one day where everything is on sale. Uh, that's what consumers have come to expect, right? So when you, as a brand, want to, um, like, how do you kind of capitalize on those days without, like, kind of losing out on um, your, like, principles of not being the lowest priced or, like, how do you, so essentially what I'm saying is that when do you decide as a brand that you want to do a flash sale? That's a, that's a great question and often we have to uh, balance this because we do, do not want to come around like um, um, just giving sales all the time. And you'll be surprised um, how much time I have to spend just um, talking to uh, brand owners and telling them that they simply do not need to participate in all of these um, uh, campaigns, right? Because... Mm -hmm. Number one, you could be selling a lot on these days, but are you profitable? Sometimes it may even um, turn negative, right? And so you have to spend marketing dollars on these days, and then you have to lower your product pricing 
and end of the day, it, it's not a win-win situation because um, business owners not earn and it is uh, just not sustainable. So if you notice brands like uh, Apple or Dyson, they do not participate in all of these uh, activities as well. Mm -hmm. mm. So I think, uh, so So what we see, uh, uh, what we've seen is like, uh, there are two kinds of scenarios in which you can play around with pricing. One is that you do flash sales, but uh, you cut down on your marketing uh, expenses by essentially if you have a, a big enough email list of people whom you can target. So uh, what we have inside Conigal is a tool whereby you can essentially set up a flash sale um, and then you can, without needing any other email marketing software, you can actually just uh, set up a marketing email, marketing SMS, uh, soon on WhatsApp, whatever. So you basically push out and inform your old audience that there is a sale event happening and you can actually uh, run like like a very like cost effective uh, flash sale essentially yes. and, and so that that kind of is a way to kind of protect your margin even though you're discounting your products a bit the other thing that we've also seen is like some brands what they do is they say that our prices are going to increase uh, so before they increase you we were giving you a like a one week period in which you can buy. Um, exactly. So that's another way of like kind of protecting the margin. Uh, but the third thing that we see, which you, which, which you pointed out, like examples of Dyson or I, Apple, I, what we've seen with these brands is they do something called price skimming, whereby over a period of time, the price is reduced. So what we actually decided to do was for our uh, users, we built like this uh, automation inside Conigal, whereby they can set a rule that if a certain inventory levels are not meeting, uh, discount the price by like say 5% over a period of time. And this is always better than like those end of season sales where everything is being just given away for free. Exactly. So so in your experience, like to preserve brand, uh, like your brand, uh, like positioning, uh, is, the, is like this gradual decrease of price, uh, like a price skimming based on your inventory levels so that you don't lose out on uh, your capital essentially is is a good strategy yeah definitely i think this is um one of the strategies that we have uh, adopted and has been uh, well received by uh brand owners as well cool cool just just a final question so we we, we actually were we, we did a study of over uh, one and a half million stores and uh, so just looking to get your opinion on this um so what what we found was that brands who are using like something called charm pricing essentially they round off the prices so if you see an apple product it is always ending in a nine um uh, you go to louis vuitton they'll be like zero or five right so we did a study and we found that brands that were rounding their prices were actually making four to six percent greater revenue than those brands that weren't doing it so in your experience have you seen uh, like rounding your prices as a like because what we found was that when we surveyed people they said that they have a huge brand recall when they see these prices rounded out um do you think that this is like something which is effective mm, it really depends on the industry i would say for example if you notice a lot of retailers they would like to round up to the nearest digit mm -hmm. well if you look at uh, e-commerce players 
they always like to do the 0.99. Yeah. So it it um I don't have those big data with me like you do, but certainly I think it is more towards um the different kind of uh, industries and um, where your strength is. Yeah. Cool. So actually, we we published this report. Um, uh, you, if someone's interested, they can go to panigal.com. So we what we do is we we publish this uh, monthly uh, e-magazine called Sellingnomics, and we publish this as as a full report where we kind of went by country, went by industry, and we kind of shared what we saw. And then what we decided was like uh, if it is useful so much, like so useful, then we. We build like an automation inside Conigal where you click a button and all your prices are always rounded to what you want, right? Right. And and uh, we we are seeing like uh, brands specifically specifically in like fashion, uh, electronics, like benefiting a lot due to this. Uh, not so much in like F and B. Um, so it's like that's what we are seeing at the moment. But uh, like we're collecting more data to understand. Uh, how this works so that's really insightful and thank you for sharing i i wouldn't have noticed otherwise oh so uh yeah so uh anyways like i think uh uh we we we've kind of come towards the end of our uh conversation uh it's i think what is super insightful that what we've learned today i think just to summarize for our audience i think the the ability to kind of Harness social media uh, as 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 a channel to market your products cost effectively is something that uh, I think brands kind of lose out on uh, because they kind of only think about traditional ways, which is like running ads or uh, like running email marketing campaigns, which is again a chicken and egg problem until you have enough audience to that. Also, I think your insights on pricing. To not to price too low is also something that is slightly uh, not what people do, uh, but I think it's it's something that we because it makes a lot of sense. Like if you price your products high, then there is a option of going down. down. <laughs> but right. if you are already low, then there is no <laughs> there is no place to go. So exactly. so pretty cool. Um, any final thoughts you have? I think um, it is really good to um, rely on data to do personalized uh, marketing campaigns mm -hmm. rather than just pushing out ads for the sake of uh, doing so. If we can rely um, on data to make smart decisions, then um, brands can start to get acquisition at a way lower uh, CPA and consumers would be happy as well because then you will not be um, getting ads that are, you know, annoying to you. Rather, um, you would be happy to receive uh, ads because these are things that are relevant to you and that things that uh, you are searching for. So it it is really um, important to not be emotional and rely more on data for like uh, smart marketing campaigns. Cool. So I, I mean, yeah, I was I was about to kind of uh, like uh, end the, this chat, but then you just brought a very important point here. So I would like to kind of get a quick opinion from you on this. Uh, you know, talking about uh, like so you you spoke about like getting a lower CPA and like essentially for our audience, CPA is like 
cost per like acquired customer essentially like how much does it cost you to acquire a customer and uh, so just a quick one like so for fashion brands um out of all the social media uh, um, outlets um, like from google to facebook to instagram like uh, or tiktok today or any other um, which do you think is the most effective for fashion brands to advertise on in your in your experience i would say i used to do a lot of facebook ads it, mm -hmm. it was really good um however in the recent years i do see um the trend uh shifting towards uh tiktok mm -hmm. yeah yeah but of course um all all channels are good to um try and explore you you never have a definite answer on this is this is the only solution this is the only way you can do it so be so, more open minded uh, so so in in just just uh, i'm i'm like 100% this is the final question so uh, it, it's uh, in terms of uh, the to test different channels so is it like so when i so say i am a brand and i want to test like is facebook instagram tiktok uh linkedin like or whatever right mm -hmm. um uh, and i am i i'm i'm looking at uh, so is it like i should i the way i think about it is like should i say okay i'm going to spend like 500 dollars or 1000 dollars on each channel or is it like i give uh, like how do i kind of like set up that experiment right like what is the best way to do that to start um to be fair, I think $1,000 is a, a fair gauge because sometimes when you put a very low budget, um, you have not given the platform sufficient time to find the right audience for you and then you have killed the campaign already. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you are wasting a lot of uh, marketing dollars by trying to be thrifty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So however, if you give the platform sufficient time to learn and reach out to um, your targeted audience, then um, only can you make a fair conclusion to say that, oh, this is not working for me and this is working for me. Cool. So I think 1,000 is a good start for each platform. So so the insight is that don't kill your marketing campaigns by being too thrifty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for your time. Uh, really appreciate your uh, uh, time uh, and uh, yeah so we would uh, further like kind of uh, like so we will try to like kind of share this with our audience and uh, uh, hopefully if we because we see that there is an uh, like we, we found quite a few things in terms of like insights around like marketing so maybe once uh, we, we share with our audience and then we see that if uh, there is uh, more uh, questions from our audience around like marketing so we may uh, get back to you to come back and like share more insights